0: Now let me ask you a question. Do you have any gods in your life? I'm talking about little gods, little g, g, little g, o, d, s. Take your Bibles and go with me if you would to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter six. We're thrilled you're here tonight. And uh, how many had a good day today? It's always a good day when you're right with God. Amen? Sometimes I don't have a good day. How many of you sometimes you don't have a good day? Usually it's always my fault. And sometimes we like to blame others for our (laughs) faults. But uh, really we ought to take the responsibility of saying, Lord, I'm the problem, and I know that God wants to help us, doesn't he? And you know, for those that came forward last night, you made a commitment or asked the Lord to help you with one or more of the ten most wanted things that God has for our lives. And if you didn't get to hear that message, I hope you'll hunt it down on the archives and get a chance to listen to it. Because we really are striving for God to grab a hold of us and as a father or a mother would look their child in the face and be able to say to them thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being a good Christian. And I believe that's the highest honor that you could give the Lord, that you really walked with God. If Enoch could walk with God, we can walk with God, amen? Amen. And I know that it's a delight when we spend time with him. I want to draw your attention to verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now oftentimes we take that little phrase right there and we say you shouldn't marry someone that's not of your faith. And I agree to that. But that's not what the Lord is wanting to get across to us I believe. I believe he's wanting to show us that separation, not being yoked up with the world, is something that we must stop allowing in our lives. Because it's so dangerous for us to allow the things of the world to draw our attention and take us away from God. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what sins in your life take you away from God. And so it's much more than just not being unequally yoked together. But notice what it says: Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And there's a statement here for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with what darkness? What concord hath Christ with who? Belial. Or what part hath he that believeth with a, what? An infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God with, what? Idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, that's one of the most tender terms in the Bible. Dearly beloved, he loves you. Dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves From all what? Filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of who? Do we fear God anymore? The title of my message this evening is, You Wanna Do What? You Wanna Do What? Parents say this sometimes to their children. I remember my dad said, I said to my dad one day, I want to grow long hair. He didn't say, you want to do what? But he could have. He just said, where are you going to live? (laughs) Quite an answer, amen, dad? I discovered that three square meals a day in a warm bed was something that I could I could live without long hair, amen. Parents sometimes say to their children, you did what? You want to do what? Where did you do what you did? Why are you doing these things? And I believe that God could say to every one of us, maybe before the week's out, You want to do what? I believe God expects holiness from us. He saved us to be holy, didn't he? He saved us to be honorable. He saved us to be a good testimony in a wicked, wicked world. You know, as the world gets worse, we ought to get better. Some things that are happening today we thought would never happen where we live. And yet, horrible things are happening. And there's nothing worse than children of God doing something that the Lord would say, Why did you do that? Or what did you say you were going to do? I want us to look scripturally as to how the Lord would speak to us about things that we might want to do. And what he does is he makes a comparison between good and evil. I, 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 I don't know about you, but it doesn't take much to know what's right and to know what's wrong. It doesn't take much to know what is right and then to do what's wrong. We have to catch ourselves and say, oh God, help me to always do those things that please you. Let's take a look and see what the Lord has to say to us this evening. What fellowship, Verse, our first verse there, verse 14, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Hmm. Fellowship. Let's talk about fellowship. Let's define fellowship. Fellowship is defined as those that share the same interest. Fellowship is a huge word in the Bible. It determines which direction and with who we are going to affiliate and associate with. Jesus made this statement. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is what? It's easy. What else does he say? He gives the opposite side. But he says, not only is it easy, but my burden is light. I was preaching one time in a revival meeting in Texas. And I was preaching about how easy the Christian life is. And I had a man come up to me after the service that was not pleased with what I said. He said, what do you mean the Christian life is easy? Why don't you tell the martyrs that the Christian life is easy. He said, do you have Fox's Book of Martyrs? Have you ever read it? I said, I have. He said, well, I'm gonna bring you a copy tomorrow night and I want you to read it. I just told him I'd read it. I don't think he was listening to what I said. So sure enough, the next night he brought that Fox's Book of Martyr, it was an unabridged Small, it was a small book, but it probably had 110 pages in it. And I said, I promise you that I will read it before tomorrow night. Good, he said to me. I took it home and I read it, man. I read it all the next day. I got it all read. And I found out I was right. No, no. I'm gonna say something even, more, even better than that. I know that God is right. When he says, My yoke is easy. I read about the martyrs. It's hard to read the book of martyrs. But in every case, they would not recant. They loved Jesus so much that they were willing to be burned at the stake. To identify with the sufferings of Jesus. And they did it joyfully. Some were praying when they were being murdered or burning. Some of them preached. Some of them quoted scripture. Some of them gave a final warning to people about their need of the Savior. And they gave the gospel as they are dying for Christ. Isn't there a verse in the Bible that explains what's hard? You want a hard life? The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. I'd rather live the easy life, amen? All my sins are forgiven. I've got a home in heaven. I don't have to worry about anything. The Bible says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can't beat that. The Christian life is easy when you stop your sinning. And start walking with God. And being faithful to the Lord. When you live for yourself, the Christian life can be very difficult. How can we let a world know that Jesus is worth accepting if they don't see Jesus in us? The fellowship, in fact, did you know, Pastor, I can't fellowship with you right unless I am in fellowship with the Father and His Son. Jesus Christ. If I'm in tune with him, then I can be in tune with you. It's something beautiful. The fellowship of walking with God. And you'll notice it's a fellowship of righteousness. And that's why the Lord says, What fellowship hath righteousness with what? You can't have it both ways. Amen. If you want to lose weight, how do you do it? Start eating more? Go to five guys every day? How do you do that? You cut back on the things you shouldn't be eating so that you can lose weight. And it's it's a battle. It's a battle. Cigarettes are a battle, I've heard. Drinking's a battle. There are all kinds of battles in our lives when we don't do things God's way. And sometimes we're torn between doing right and doing wrong. And sometimes our sinful Adamic nature seems to just take over. And then we fall into sin and we're miserable. The Lord says very clearly, What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You spend time with God, you'll be a better wife, ladies. You spend more time with God, men, husbands, you'll be a better husband. That's right. As you walk with God, you learn how to walk with men. And you can tell when somebody wants to take you in a wrong direction, wants you to do something that's unrighteous. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Number two, what communion hath light with darkness? Wow. Um, Can we turn all the lights off here real quick? Is that a possibility? Quickly, keep going, keep going, keep going. Get rid of all of them, if you can. Oh, it's getting better, it's getting better. Keep going, keep going. Is it possible maybe you can't do it? There's a reason why I want to do this. We're getting there. How many of you saw the nasty face I made at you just now? How many didn't see it? All right, you can turn the lights back on. Kind of hard to see in the dark, isn't it? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There's darkness in hell. Outer darkness. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The worm dieth not. The fire is unquenched. Why are bars dark? Because there's things going on there that ought not to be. When we want to do what's wrong, we'd rather hide. Adam and Eve, they hid from the Lord, didn't they? Adam! Adam! Where art thou? They were ashamed because they'd sinned against God. The word communion is defined as a relationship of recognition and acceptance. The world is in darkness. Our flesh craves or is tempted with darkness. Isn't it true sometimes even our children say don't eat? Those cookies before supper. Into the cookie jar they go. When somebody tells you don't do that, what, what do you want to do? You want to do what you weren't supposed to do. The devil wants us to stay in darkness. There have been even people that grew up in a church like this. I heard of a, two young people that went off to Bible college. They grew up in a church like this. They got to Bible college, a guy and a girl, and they ended up after three months or a month or two, they just took off. They contacted their parents and said, We want nothing to do with you. We are atheists. You say, How does that happen? Because they loved darkness. Were they truly born again? Only God knows that. Some people do things just to please others instead of doing it for the Lord. We cannot live in the light and live in darkness at the same time. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 1.5, This then is the message we heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And this is the condemnation. John chapter 3 verse 19. That light is coming to a world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are what? They're evil. There was a young man that said to a young lady, let's go do something. And it wasn't something that they should ever think of doing. And She said, I'll have to check with my father. He said, no, you don't need to check with your father. He doesn't need to know this. She said, well, he already told me I can't. He goes, what? You didn't even talk to your father. Oh, yeah, I did. I talked to my heavenly father and he told you, forget it. That's not happening. Interesting, isn't it? When darkness comes, light expels it. Amen. When we turn the light on, if I, I didn't, I didn't make that. I, I made a face at you tonight, uh, but uh, the lights were down; you couldn't really see it. And I must say to you that. That Satan always wants to make fun of you and to try to destroy you in darkness. And if he can just get you in the darkness, he wins. That's why the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Stay out of darkness. We have been one to the light. And it's a wonderful thing to be in the light, isn't it? Oh, Listen. We must love the light, and we must hate the darkness. We must love sinners, but hate their sin. We ought to hate our own sin. And if we are going to be in communion with God, the lights always need to be on in our life. Oh, it's so wonderful to see clearly. It's so wonderful to be in fellowship with the Lord and know that everything's right between God and I. That's communion. That's communion in light. Number three. Notice with me there in verse 15. What concord hath Christ with Belial? The word concord is defined as A harmony between people or people groups. Concord. I could ask the pianist to come up to the piano and start playing a beautiful piece. And then right in the middle of that beautiful piece, she just starts hammering without any any kind of harmony and you'd want her to stop and I think it's important for us to realize that the Lord Jesus has no fellowship with Belial they don't have anything in common at all their agendas are totally opposite opposite and the word of God is telling us they don't have any fellowship. So if Christ and Belial don't have any fellowship, why would we want to have fellowship with the devil? Belial is found in the Hebrew Old Testament in terms it's used 15 times and later, one time, personifying in, in, as in the New Testament, devil. God's word calls them sons of Belial. Another passage, daughters of Belial, children of Belial, a man of Belial. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the, what? The devil. And the lust of your father will ye do. He is a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh lie, a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and he's the father of it. Do we understand who we're going up against when we decide we're going to live like the devil? You want to do what? No, we can't. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? I think they saw that Barnabas had sold some property and given the money to the Lord and uh, they kind of thought, well, you know, maybe we ought to just sell some property and we'll say we're giving it all and we'll just give part of it. It's just a little, little lie. And no doubt they couldn't wait to go to church on Sunday. Apparently, Apparently, Ananias believed in Sunday school because he came to Sunday school but his wife didn't. She came in for morning worship. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And He gave this money to Peter and Peter came right out and asked him. Oh yes, this is, this is all of it. God struck him dead. They hauled his body out. His wife comes in later. I can just see her balancing her new hat. She comes into church, all excited. This is going to be wonderful. People are going to go, oh, Sapphira, you didn't have to do that, sell that property and give it all to the Lord. You can just imagine what she's thinking. And Peter again asks her, is this really what happened? Oh, yes, yes well, the men that carried your husband out are going to carry you out. And she dropped dead. I could go through the scriptures over and over again and tell stories of people that gave place to the devil and they wrecked and they ruined their lives. I was speaking with one of the young men here that is going to call me in two years and tell me that he's serving the Lord. Because back in 2016, he wrote down that he was going to call me and let me know that he's still serving the Lord. He took me over to the pictures of the college students back in that day, 2016. And he started showing me some of them that are no longer involved in Christian service anymore. They got away from God. How many of you know that does happen? It ought to scare you to death. If you don't fear God, you'll give place to the devil. And better than all of us have fallen. On my prayer list right now I have 5 preachers I'm praying for. You know what I call that that part of my prayer journal? I call it hard cases. People that got smarter than God and messed up their life. You're not smarter than God. If you want to be smart like God, you'll obey His word. And what peace that comes when you quit fighting with God and start fighting against the evil that would come into your life, you will be victorious. Number four, what part hath the believer with an infidel? Let's define an infidel. An infidel is a person accused of disbelief in the central tenets of God's holy word. The word infidel is used twice in the New Testament. One time there in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, listen to this verse, But if any provide not for his own, And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. An infidel is one that has changed his opinion of God and has decided, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be the master of my own fate. I'm going to live to please myself. I'm not going to surrender my will and my spirit to God anymore. I wonder if some of them are not even saved. Some kids go forward in a service or in Sunday school and they say yes to Jesus and they pray a prayer and... They follow the Lord and believers' baptism, and we expect them to grow in the Lord. But every once in a while, we're scratching our head, wondering, are they really saved or not? Not everybody that saith, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of God. Some are going to say, at the judgment seat of Christ, or rather, at the great white throne judgment, they're going to say, hey, Lord, we have done many wonderful works in thy name. And the Lord's going to say to them, I never knew you. Oh, they heard about Jesus. But Jesus never knew them. Their name was never recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Our hearts ought to break for people that have turned into unbelievers they're always nitpicking at us making fun of us oh I used to be one of those but I'm not any longer praise God it's heartbreaking to people to see people fall into the place where they have become unbelievers number five What agreement hath the temple of God with what? Idols. Now this is very interesting. What agreement does the Grace Baptist Church have with idols? Pastor, let's suppose that maybe someone that worships Buddha, maybe a family in town here that uh, really nice people and they like you and you've kind of built a relationship with them seeking to win them to Christ. And they say, you know, Pastor, we would really love to come to Grace Baptist Church and everything. And, and you're getting excited. You're thankful that they really want to come. And are you listening, everybody? And so they, uh, they say, now we'll come just under one simple condition. Would it be okay if we put a buddha over here under this tree? You know. It'll just be it'll make us feel better when we're in church here. We love your preaching, pastor. How many of you here tonight think your pastor would kind of go ahead and say, "Yeah, why don't we do that?" It's not happening. Is it? No. If it did happen, what would y'all think? Pastors lost it. Why? Because there is no agreement between the two. Now, this is really a strong statement, but there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. Some people don't like that. They don't like it. I was over in... um, um, no, uh, no, yeah, we were in a church listening to an orchestra. It was over in um, Nova Scotia. My wife is such a help to me, amen? <laughs> we were in Nova Scotia, and we went to the, the uh, Church of Canada, United Church of Canada. Oh boy. Yeah, that's where the concert was. I didn't go there for a service. I went there to hear one of the ladies from the church I was preaching in uh, play an instrument with a great group of people. It was wonderful. It was great. So at the uh, halftime, I went out, and I'm looking through the back of the church and everything, and I came across a, uh, it wasn't a gospel track. It was a religious track. And it explained how that all of the major religions have one thing in common. And they said it's the Spirit. And every religion worships its own way by the Spirit. That's a violation of Scripture. Jesus was not even mentioned. Interesting, isn't it? You can talk about God all you want, but boy, if you mention Jesus, you're going to have war. Because Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, Jesus said. And so we understand that there's no agreement with the temple of God and idols. The temple is a sacred place. It's a place where God abides. We had the old tabernacle In the wilderness, the blood of the animal was shed as an atonement or a covering for the sin of the people. Solomon built a beautiful temple. You know what he said? In his prayer, he said, then hear thou from heaven and forgive our sins. We know that Jesus took the place of the sacrificial lamb of the Old Testament. But guess what? 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 Know ye not that your body is the temple of God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. What's the rest? And in your spirit, which is whose? God's. That's amazing to me that God could dwell in me and you. And yet I must say to you that sometimes we allow other things to dwell in us, don't we? Israel had their idols, their groves. They committed adultery, idol worship. God's first commandment to mankind was in Genesis chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God's a jealous God. In Exodus 23, verse 13, God said, Make no mention of the name of other gods. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Judges 10.13 said, Ye have forsaken me, and you served other gods, wherefore I will deliver you no more. That's what he told the Israelites. In Jeremiah 25.6 And go after, go not after other gods to serve them, and I will do you no hurt. If you don't go after other gods, I won't have to put any hurt upon you. And you know what the opposite of that is. In Jeremiah 44 verse 5 it said, "They burned incense unto other gods." Now let me ask you a question. Do you have any gods in your life? I'm talking about little gods. little G. G, little G, O. We would get upset with people that worship idols, wouldn't we? Or at least we would say that's wrong. We don't have Christ on a crucifix because he's not on the cross. Amen. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But I think we have God's. I think one of them is selfishness. Remember when Jesus was going through Gethsemane? The Bible says all his disciples forsook him and fled. How about pleasure? Pleasure's a God in Christians' lives. Lovers of pleasure more than they are lovers of God. Haven't we all been guilty of that? How about rebellion? The Bible said that they would not retain God in their knowledge. Who wants to be thinking about God when we're sinning? How about a bad spirit? An inconsiderate spirit, an indifferent spirit, an inflated spirit. Look at me, look what I've accomplished. An intolerant spirit. Do you remember those disciples that were commissioned by the Lord to go out and do great mighty works? And they couldn't cast the demon out of the the man's boy. They lost their power because of some little God in their life that robbed them of God's power. Did you know that I believe that I could have the power of God one minute and I could lose His power the next minute? Him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? It's sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not, what? He won't hear me. I've often wanted to text the Lord. Haven't you? Wouldn't that be the neatest thing? What's the percentage of the prayers you hear from me, Lord? Because if I'm not right with God, He doesn't hear me. The first prayer He does hear is when I repent of my prayerlessness. Then He hears me, and God can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. <laughs> Amen. How many have had that happen to you? I have. It makes me want to stay clean before the Lord. But I could have gods. Sometimes our toys become our God. Addictions become our God. Worldly influences become our God. And we must ask the Lord, help me not to have any other gods before me. Can you imagine God saying to you, you want to do what? That should not happen in the Christian's life. I didn't say we're perfect. I'm not preaching sinless perfection. I don't think that we can all be perfect and never sin again. Now, I know some people that think they're perfect. And you probably know some people like that too, and they're not. My wife and I were visiting a lady that was a sister of a lady in our church, we went by to see her, and we were talking about salvation, how to be saved, and I I said to her, have you ever sinned? She said, no. I've never sinned. I said, do you know what sin is? Doing something wrong? Yes, that's right. Doing something wrong? Yes. Have you ever done anything wrong? Not to my knowledge. I said, you just lied to me. Oh, we tried to bring her to salvation and we shared the gospel with her. She had nothing to do with us. Her God was herself. That's a pretty small package, isn't it? To live your life and hear the truth, like Marilyn Monroe. Have any of you heard of Marilyn Monroe? You don't have to raise your hands necessarily, but... Marilyn Monroe lived a fast and loose life. Billy Graham had an opportunity to meet her one day. A friend of his worked it out where they got to meet with her. She said, what do you want? He said, I want to tell you about my Jesus. She said, I want nothing to do with your Jesus conversation was done whenever I see a picture of Marilyn Monroe my heart grieves for those that think they are smarter than God and they will end up in hell but before they end up in hell the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it'll be too late. I think it's time for us to give up our gods. Don't you think so? If something comes between you and the Lord, it needs to be put aside. We need to die to the flesh that we might become alive in the Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads together, may we? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.